Trump has just given the jihadis a thousand reasons to stage fake flag operations. Oh, fantastic. Gets better and better by the minute. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. No, it's not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI in Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, I want to get, well, I had hoped to cover... Some of this nonsense as we get to the uh, 100 days of, of Donald Trump and all of these polls that are now coming out, uh, you know, measuring the temperature after 100 days and looking at Trump's effectiveness and uh, or lack thereof, as the case may be. Uh, a number of polls have come out over the weekend um, in which they all find similar things like uh, Trump has the lowest approval rating of any president going all the way back till the days that we started keeping approval ratings and tracking these things back in the back in the 40s. He, of course, has come out and said, oh, they're all fake news. But I don't know why he's uh, so against these polls. Actually, there's a couple of points here that. Uh, that I would think he would like. One is uh, ABC Washington Post poll found that 51 percent support his uh, missile strikes on Syria. It was better news for him in the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, finding that 60 percent said they supported the president's decision to order missile strikes against Syria in retaliation for its government use of chemical weapons against a rebel-controlled region of its own nation. That's how NBC News reported it. Uh, They didn't use the word alleged. They just said that's what they did. Um, Syria used uh, chemical weapons in that attack. And then today, the U.S. government has announced 271 sanctions in response to Syrian President Bashar al-Assad's alleged use of chemical weapons. That's the AP, properly using the word alleged there. It's one of the largest sanctions, uh, sanction actions in U.S. history, AP writes. The new sanctions are the latest U.S. response to Assad's alleged use of chemical weapons, most recently in rebel-held northern Idlib in an attack that killed more than 80 civilians. 
The U.S. retaliated earlier this month, they note, by launching missiles against a Syrian airfield. Trump has called Assad evil and said his use of chemical weapons, quote, crossed a lot of lines. Well, on April 7th, on the day that Trump had just launched that uh, 59 Tomahawk cruise missile uh, attack against that airbase in Bashar al-Assad's Syria, in supposed response to the April 4th release of a deadly nerve, nerve agent in the, uh, in the Idlib province, said to have killed more than 80 uh, people, including children, seen suffering on horrific video footage. British Ambassador Peter Ford, he's the former British ambassador to Syria, he was interviewed on BBC News. This was the day uh, th that we launched that attack on Syria. And he made clear that he was not certain at all that Assad's Syrian military was responsible for the chemical attack. He questioned the lack of evidence in the intelligence that was cited by the Trump administration, noting similar misleading uh, intelligence reports from the U.S. in the past, and suggested that the attack was as likely carried out by those opposing Assad in Syria, but hoping to draw the U.S. into the effort, which Assad at that point, along with his Russian allies, were said to have been uh, gaining much effort, much, I'm sorry, gaining much ground against uh, both the rebels and the terrorist groups in the years-long civil war. And then this attack by Assad supposedly happened. I want to play the, some of this interview at length because it's one of the few in the Western media actually questioning out loud the White House and military claims about the April 4th chemical attack in Syria that was attributed to Assad. Uh, with little or no independently checkable evidence. And, of course, that led to the U.S. military uh, directly entering the war against Syria in apparent violation of both international and U.S. law. Here's Britain's former Syrian ambassador, Peter Ford, on the BBC. Can I just draw your attention first to the opening part of that statement from President Trump? He said, my fellow Americans, on Tuesday, Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad launched a horrible chemical weapons attack on innocent civilians. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement, of, a misstatement of non-fact. We don't know. Uh, what's needed is an investigation because there are two possibilities for what happened. One is the American version that Assad dropped chemical weapons on this locality. The other version is that an ordinary bomb was dropped and it hit a munitions dump the jihadis were storing chemical weapons. We don't know which of these two possibilities is the correct one. Remember the run-up to Iraq. The experts, the intelligence agencies, the politicians were convinced that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. They produced reams of evidence, photographs, diagrams. It was all wrong. It was all wrong. It's possible that they're wrong in this instance as well, that they are just looking for a, a pretext to attack Syria. And let's not deceive ourselves. What has happened makes more use of chemical weapons more likely, not less. Well, the, the sentiment that you're talking about there chimes most amongst international reaction to what happened, the chemical attack, with what Russia is saying. You chime most with them, why is it then that you are, if you like, a relatively well, low well, voice? I, I, I don't leave my brains at the door when I examine a situation uh, analytically. Uh, I try to be objective. Uh, and based on previous experience, 
including uh, Iraq, uh, we can see that we cannot take at face uh, value what the so-called intelligence experts tell us, not when they have an agenda. Um, but uh, come back to the main point, that it's not going to end here, and we are likely, Britain, to be dragged into it, because Trump has just given the jihadis a thousand reasons to stage fake flag operations, seeing how successful and how easy it is with a gullible media to uh, provoke uh, the West into intemperate reactions, they will very likely stage an operation similar to what they did, and this was documented by the United Nations in August last year. They mounted a chlorine gas attack on civilians and they tried to make it look like it was a regime operation. If I can just ask you your expertise, you're a former, it's worth saying, a former British ambassador to Syria, uh, with your knowledge of Bashar al-Assad and his regime, that country, what do you think his reaction to this will be? Uh, uh, Assad may be cruel, uh, brutal, but he's not mad. It defies belief that he would bring this all on his head. For no military advantage, the site that was hit had no military significance. Uh, it made absolutely no sense. Well, in a way, we're going back to the, the previous argument. My angered, more about what He would have angered the Russians if, if for no other reason. This is simply not plausible. But how will his behaviour change? Now he knows President Trump is prepared to launch cruise missile attacks. But he did, probably didn't do it in the first place. So it can't change his behaviour if he didn't do it in the first place. But we will all pay the consequences... Uh, very likely there will be more, more use, not less use, of CW as a result of this. And, this is also important, the Russians and the Syrians will give less cooperation in the fight against ISIS. That was former British Ambassador Peter Ford on the BBC News. Now, I don't know if uh, he's right about any of that. Um, but they had the discussion on BBC News, a discussion that we have not had here in the U.S., even though we have now essentially gone to war uh, with with the nation of Syria. And now today with the 271 uh, new sanctions against them, in addition to the uh, military force we've used against them without Congress either debating it, uh, much less approving it, uh, much less uh, any conversation really in the U.S. media about any of this, which all takes me back to 2005, writing about an MIT professor, a rocket trajectory expert and a former advisor to the U.S. Navy. The Boston Globe published a lengthy profile of MIT's professor Theodore A. Postal. That feature uh, length profile was by Charlie Pierce, who's now at Esquire, then uh, he was at uh, Boston Globe magazine. That uh, profile took us back even further, back to 1991. As Pierce wrote, in 1991, in the aftermath of the first Gulf War, the Patriot missile system, remember that? was a technological star. Army officials claimed that the system built by Raytheon had intercepted 45 of 47 Iraqi Scud missiles at which it had been fired. Proponents of the missile defense cited the Patriot as proof of the efficacy of anti-missile missiles, so much so that Congress increased the budget of the missile defense program that year substantially. But when Professor Postal studied the video footage of the Patriot Scud engagements, he concluded that the Patriot had in fact destroyed not a one. 
The Pentagon was outraged. It classified the article in which Postal presented his case, and Raytheon officials accused him of tinkering with the video footage. But ultimately, Postal's work was vindicated as correct. But by then, of course, the damage was done. The military got their huge increase in spending on the Patriot missile system, which pretty much everyone in the corporate media repeated had been the great superstar weaponry of the first Gulf War. But of course, it was Postal who was regarded as wrong for many years before it became clear that he was not. As both the military and MIT, which works with a number of military contractors, uh, bringing millions of dollars in for the school, uh, you know, said he had it wrong. Well, that same man, Professor Postal, has now examined the April 11th White House report on the April 4th chemical attack in Syria issued by the White House several days after the U.S. Tomahawk missile attack on the Syrian airfield, including both photographic and video evidence cited by the White House. And once again, Postal charges in no uncertain terms that what the U.S. government is claiming about the April 4th chemical attack, what our government and our military have used as the basis for justifying an all-new offensive against a sovereign nation, he charges that is simply flat-out wrong. Remarkably, Postal's analyses have received virtually little or no attention by the U.S. corporate media, even as the alleged chemical attack has thrust the nation headlong towards yet another war with yet another nation. MIT's professor Theodore Postal, a a professor emeritus of science, technology and international security at MIT, joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Writing over at The Nation last week, James Carden uh, reports, in addition to highlighting the embarrassing degree to which the American media is seduced by displays of American military might, it's rushed to embrace President Trump's decision to launch a military attack against Syria on April 6, also has crowded out dissenting voices from the administration's claim that it was the government of Bashar al-Assad that was responsible for the chemical weapons attack in Khan Shikun, which killed over 80 people and injured hundreds. By firing 59 Tomahawk missiles at the Sherat Air Base in Syria, writes Cardin, and killing five soldiers and nine civilians in the process, President Trump was able to transform himself in the eyes of the media, From an object of derision into, uh, in the words of erstwhile Trump critic Elliot Abrams, quote, leader of the free world. Dissent from what amounts to a new party line has been noticeably absent on this issue. As the investigative journalist Robert Perry recently observed, all the important people 
who appeared on the TV shows or who were quoted in the mainstream media trusted the images provided by al-Qaeda-related propagandists and ignored documented prior cases in which the Syrian rebels staged chemical weapons incidents to implicate the Assad government. Former British ambassador to Syria Peter Ford told the BBC last week, as we as we played in the previous segment, that he seriously doubted that Assad was the culprit. Assad said Ford may be cruel, brutal, but he's not mad. It defies belief that he would bring this all on his head for no military advantage. Ford said he believes the accusations against Syria are, quote, simply not plausible. And so, on what evidence and intelligence was Donald Trump's decision to, uh, to bomb Syria and, uh, frankly, now to institute some 271 sanctions today against the Assad regime? On what evidence and intelligence was that decision based? Well, on April 11, the White House released a declassified version of a four-page report meant to prove its case against Assad and serve as a belated justification for the Tomahawk attack on Syria's Sherat Air, uh, Air Base. The report, however, was not authorized by U.S. In intelligence agencies, but rather by the White House under the supervision of National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster. The White House report uh, begins this way from uh, uh, April 11, 2017. The United States is confident that the Syrian regime conducted a chemical weapons attack using the nerve agent sarin against its own people in the town of Khan Shakun in the southern Idlib province on April 4, 2017. The White House report goes on to say we have confidence in our assessment because we have signals intelligence and geospatial intelligence, laboratory analysis of physiological samples collected from multiple victims, as well as a significant body of credible open source reporting. Commercial satellite imagery from April 6 showed impact craters around the hospital that are consistent with open source reports of a conventional attack on the hospital after the chemical attack. Moscow has since claimed, they write, that the, uh, the release of chemicals was caused by an Assad regime airstrike on a terrorist ammunition depot in the eastern suburbs of Kanchakun. An open source video also shows where we believe, this is the uh, White House report speaking, where we believe the chemical munitions landed not on a facility with weapons, but in the middle of a street in the northern section of Kanchakun. Commercial satellite imagery, they say, of that site from April 6, after the allegation, shows a crater in the road that corresponds to the open source video. Russia's allegations fit with a pattern of deflecting blame from the regime and attempting to undermine the credibility of its opponents. That's from the White House report on April 11, 2017. Now, as we mentioned in the previous segment, physicist Theodore A. Postol Professor uh, Emeritus of Science, Technology, and National Security Policy at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and a specialist in weapons and rocket trajectory, and, and formerly a scientific consultant to the Chief of Naval, Naval Operations at the Pentagon, Professor Postal has now produced four reports on the alleged chemical attack near Kanchakun in Syria, um, that attack on April 4th of this year. That chemical attack has led to worldwide outrage, of course, and an about-face from the Donald Trump administration. Trump uh, had said for years that we should not enter the conflict in Syria. 
However, citing the horrific video evidence uh, of the aftermath of the release of this chemical agent, believed to be sarin, that killed nearly 100 people, many of them children, the White House changed its previous position, stated once again days earlier that, uh, that they had intended to stay out of Syria's civil war before their about-face attack on uh, that Syrian airbase. Trump ordered 59 Tomahawk missiles to be rained down on that airfield where uh, Syrian jets are said to have taken off before the alleged release of the deadly chemical agent. Postal's report, however, uh, concludes that the uh, April 11 White House report regarding that April 4th chemical incident is false. He writes at the end of his first analysis that, quote, what the country is now being told by the White House cannot be true. And the fact is that this information raises the most serious questions about the handling of our national security. In our in his uh, second analysis, which was an addendum to the first, he writes, quote, this addendum provides data that unambiguously shows that the assumption in the White House report that there was no tampering with the alleged site of the sarin release is not correct. This egregious era, error raises questions about every other claim in the White House report. The implication of this observation is clear. The White House report was not reviewed and released by any competent, intelligent expert unless they were motivated by factors other than concerns about the accuracy of the report. In Professor Postel's third analysis, this one based on videos said to have been taken in the aftermath of the, uh, of the attack, uh, he writes, this report provides unambiguous evidence that the White House intelligence report contains false and misleading claims that could not possibly have been accepted in any professional review by impartial intelligence experts. And he goes on to say that the video evidence cited by the White House, which he reviewed, quote, indicates that the office which created the White House report made no attempt to utilize the professional intelligence community to obtain accurate data in support of the findings in their report. Postal goes on to charge that it now appears that the president ordered this cruise missile attack on April 7 without any valid intelligence to support it and that the National Security Council produced a fraudulent intelligence report on April 11, four days later. Well, that is... Strong condemnation, to say the least, and uh, as strong as it is, you would think that there would be some debate about it in the U.S. media, uh, even if only to debunk Professor Postel's uh, analyses. Instead, the analyses uh, have been largely ignored and few have questioned. In fact, many have lauded Trump's unauthorized attack on the sovereign nation of Syria. Joining us now to discuss all of this is Professor Emeritus Theodore Postal of MIT, who, in addition to the CV uh, I already mentioned for him, he's also a recipient of the Leo Zillard Prize from the American Physical Society and the Hilliard Roderick Prize from the American Association for the Advancement of Science. And he was awarded the Norbert Wiener Award for Computer Professionals for Social Responsibility for Uncovering Numerous and important false claims about missile defenses. Professor Postal, really appreciate you joining us uh, on the broadcast today, sir. 
Well, it's a extremely uh, it's a great pleasure to be on your on your cast uh, on your uh, program. Appreciate that, sir. The the uh, before we get into the specifics in your now four different analyses of the the known verifiable evidence of what did or didn't happen in, in the April four uh, chemical attack in uh, in Idlib, Syria. Uh, and the odd silence I want to talk about as well in response to your analyses. Uh, did I get anything egregiously wrong so far there in my intro about where we are no. and how we got to this point, uh, that we've taken military action without congressional authorization or debate uh, and today announced some 271 sanctions against Syria in response? Oh, I, I don't think you got anything wrong, and I think uh, it is uh, it is very disturbing to see how uh, uncritical the mainstream press has been of this uh, matter. I, I actually, uh, I wasn't totally surprised, but I think the, to the, the extent to which this is being ignored, and I, I, I should say ignored because uh, I have sent these things to people I have uh, who know me well mm -hmm. from the New York Times and from, for example, the uh, public broadcasting system, the you know national public radio, and the, I'm sorry, the the television public broadcasting system, and um, uh, you don't even get a call from a junior staff person to question uh, your um, you, you know your uh, analysis. So, from my point of view, this may be the most serious. Um, uh, event uh, with regard to American democracy that uh, from this whole incident, because the only way the American uh, democracy is, can function is if the press performs the role of providing accurate information and also providing uh, uh, raising questions if those questions deserve to be looked at. And there's no question here that uh, the questions deserve to be looked at, and not you know, at all. Yeah, and that was one of the odd things about uh, your report. When I you know, first saw your, your initial report about a week or so ago, uh, you know, I figured there would be some response to it, uh, you know, e even if only to show how you got it completely wrong. Uh, but we've yet to see that. So let me, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the media in a minute, but let's let's go to your specific, the specifics uh, in your report, in your analyses. Uh, you, you come to a number of uh, conclusions in your, in your initial analysis and then uh, further. Uh, one, that presuming the photo, there was a photo that was released by the U.S. government of what they charge is the crater that was created when the chemical agent munition uh, whatever it was, was alleged to have been dropped from a plane by Syria. Now, you charge that the evidence in the photo itself of this crater shows that the deadly toxin was not, in fact, dropped from a plane as reported. So what does that crater photo uh, show that leads you uh, immediately to the evidence, uh, to, the, to the conclusion that this could not have been, uh, you know, dropped from a plane as uh, suggested in that photo? Well, the White House, uh, the, the photo is actually taken uh, by commercial uh, journal, uh, you know, journalists mm -hmm. reporting, and uh, I located it from, uh, you know, commercial uh, sites, mm -hmm. and this is what was clearly and unambiguously described as the location of the sarin dispersal by the White House intelligence report. So I didn't find the crater. The White House claims to have found the crater on c commercial television video and I basically found it by looking at the commercial television video 
The, so the satellite, you, you actually looked at uh, satellite uh, No, no, images? this is actually, uh, I did used satellite okay. data to determine the geography of the situation. Okay. I went out, I, I got, uh, I determined, uh, used historical weather data mm -hmm. to determine the weather at the different times of day. Uh, I've used astronomical data to determine the uh, angle of the sun at, as, a, as a function of time during the day, because mm -hmm. when you see a video, you can get an estimate of the shadow length, okay. uh, and, uh, and that tells you the time of day the video was taken. And uh, from these uh, variety of uh, data, uh, I've, uh, you know, sort of put together a picture of that site and the related er and the surrounding areas. Now, um, the, um, the crater, I if there was a munition dropped mm -hmm. that uh, was, a, was a, a, a chemical dispensing munition, mm -hmm you would see certain kinds of debris around from the munition itself. The munition would be some kind of canister, and the canister would be designed to either spray out the, um, the sarin agent or, or maybe a small, it might have a small explosive charge in it to rupture the container to create uh, an aerosol, you know, tiny particles of mm -hmm. droplets in the air. Okay. There's no... No uh, material of any kind of any kind on the ground to suggest this, and this is very different from what uh, my colleague uh, Richard uh, Lloyd and I found when we analyzed the uh, uh, the nerve agent attack in Damascus on uh, August 21, 2013. Mm -hmm. In fact, we were the first to identify how that munition worked. We reported it to the New York Times, who at that time, I guess, considered uh, considered my work uh, worthy of reporting, and <laughs> right. uh, no longer does, it seems. Uh, and, um, and the New York Times published a significant article on that munition. Two weeks later, the UN went got a team into the area and they confirmed exactly what we found. So we had told them two weeks before what the munition looked like. So, uh, you know, so I have some kind of a record here right. understanding what I'm looking at. Now, when you look at this crater, what you see... The new one. This is from the, uh, the April crater, attack, yes. right? Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the new crater, all you see is a pipe in it that's probably almost certainly from... 122 millimeter rocket. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, which these pipes are ubiquitous because they're the different sides are manufacturing rockets from these pipes, and um, and the pipe is crushed from the outside, not from the inside. In other words, it's not a pipe that was filled with sarin, which is you know one possibility that had a small explosive charge in it to blow it open mm -hmm. and spray the sarin out. The pipe was crushed from the side. And so it looks like if it was an if there was an explosive dispersal device, it looks like it would be some kind of um, of um, uh, improvised dispersal device where there was an explosive on the side of it that would crush the pipe from the outside, 
mm-hmm. causing it to rupture and spray the sarin out. So, so let me just to be make sure I'm uh, clear and that everyone is able to follow along. We've got uh, evidence in a crater, a canister that is believed to be the, uh, the that had contained whatever uh, the the agent, it the chemical alleged. agent was alleged to have contained i would say and is it alleged by the white house itself is that the white house pointing Uh, to that canister and that crater specifically pointing to the canister they're pointing to the crater okay and then the crater should have debris around it Mm -hmm. from the dispensing canister and that's the only candidate and instead of showing uh, uh, the, the canister sort of exploded it shows the canister crushed which tells you that this was not a, a, a rocket that exploded with the sarin in it, but rather uh, an explosive placed on top of the canister to then disperse the chemical agent. That's that's one theory. Okay. Uh, I don't know what else. You know, it could be anything. Okay. Uh, the bottom line is it could be anything. It could well be what you just described, because that was my initial assessment. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, it is not an airdropped munition. That's the point. There is no debris to suggest that it was an airdropped munition. Now, could... So, go ahead. But yeah, could, could it be then that uh, either you or the White House report has identified the wrong, uh, the wrong crater, the wrong canister, that it could have taken place... Uh, in a different way, well, in the same way that the White House is claiming, but uh, that the evidence is somewhere else. There's a crater elsewhere that has uh, the canister that would, in fact, uh, back up the White House claims about this attack. Yeah, the White House claim is very clear that there was uh, a crater and that they had identified it, and they mm-hmm. roughly uh, identified the location. And then there are numerous uh, journalistic reports plus individuals who went to the crater and photographed it posted on the web and in particular on youtube mm-hmm. and uh it is uh described and uh, the photograph of the crater uh that is uh the the, uh, the guardian uh newspaper mm-hmm. in, in london uh published a front page story with a photograph of that crater uh uh, alleging that this was the crater where the sarin had come from and claiming that the uh, uh, the health officials had taken the journalist to the crater and then all other all other numerous videos of press reports are at that crater so there's no evidence of any kind that there's another crater somewhere else you write in, in one of your reports that the only indisputable facts that uh, stated in the White House report is the claim that a chemical agent, uh, a chemical attack using nerve agent occurred in Conchacoon, Syria on that morning. Although the White House statement repeats this point, this point in many places within its report, the report contains absolutely no evidence that this attack was the result of a munition dropped from an aircraft. In fact, you write, the report contains absolutely no evidence that would indicate who was the perpetrator of this atrocity. So, uh, Professor Postal, is it, uh, it seems from your conclusion that you're not saying Syria didn't do it, but rather that the White House statement provides zero evidence to support the conclusion uh, that it offers. Do I have that correct? Yeah, I have no way of knowing who did it. Uh, it doesn't look like it was an airdrop munition. Mm-hmm. And since the White House 
claims it was an airdrop munition from a Syrian aircraft, it might rule out Syria. I mean, if I take the White House report, mm -hmm. I really don't know. It could have been uh, some other munition dropped by Syria, but this, this, there's no evidence that in spite of the location in the White House intelligence report and 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 the uh, all the video evidence mm -hmm. that this crater was a sarin release site now the guardian article uh claims that there was a location immediately adjacent to this sarin release this alleged sarin release crater mm -hmm. uh where a large number of the population there was killed uh, you know as a result of the sarin release okay now that is uh, uh, a rather amazing uh, claim to make when you it's look when you look at the videos. Uh, the new I, I've gone over maybe 150 to 200 videos at this point. Mm. So uh, most of them in Arabic because uh, all of the Western photographs and videos you find can be traced to those Arabic videos. Okay, right. so that right. they're all coming from there. So. Um, if I go over all of the Arabic uh, posted uh, video, uh, roughly 150 to 200, uh, all I can find is are discussions at that, you know, in photographs of that crater, including the Guardian article, which claims to have a reporter on the ground who reported that the adjacent area was uh, uh, was severely affected by the uh, by the by the alleged sarin release. Now. Since I I have video and I, I not only have satellite images, I actually have drone images of that location because some of the video press reports had a drone had had a drone and the drone rose up and gave me uh, aerial mm -hmm. images of right. the whole area. Mm -hmm. So that was very helpful, and I know where the direction of everything is because. I have maps of the area from mm -hmm. Google, mm -hmm. so I can tell exactly, and I know the weather at the time of the alleged release, so I know exactly where this uh, area was, and the area was immediately adjacent, as described, if it occur if there was an area of dead people. Now, the question here is why are there no journalistic uh, photographs of the area that would have been strewn with dead people. Instead, the only video that shows anything dead from that crater is a, is 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 a scene where the journalist turns around and walks in the opposite direction from the sarin the alleged sarin release, the opposite direction. So the wind would have blown the sarin away from mm -hmm. that direction and he walks some um, uh, 25, 30 yards, and he shows you uh, a dead goat. Now, why didn't he walk 20 or 30 yards in the opposite direction and shown you all kinds of dead people on the street? Are, are you suggesting that the, that, that even those, those videos that we did see, videos of people suffering from whatever this chemical attack was, from whatever a chemical attack was, uh, are those purported videos that also said to have moved the president who didn't think we should enter Syria now he's uh, seems to be all in are you suggesting those videos themselves were fake or from a different incident or I'm, I'm trying to understand the 
Yeah, I think uh, well, you got you got the inference from me. Yes, uh, there there is a very uh, um, uh, I, I'll I'll say it in caveats a, a very compelling video scene, which runs maybe you know depending if you put them together from different uh, video files, mm-hmm. it might run thirty seconds, but it can show it shows you know dozens if not more dead and dying people Mm -hmm. to be honest with you i'm not a medical specialist so i don't like to uh some of them look contrived but i can't be sure all right so i want to be clear on that but the scene is very unconvincing we now know that the scene as described as we see in the video and described in the guardian article what the, we know the loca- location of that scene. Mm-hmm. It was a civil defense center set up by the local authorities. It's described in the Guardian article well enough that the video allows me to identify the location. Now, the time of day can be determined because I have very accurate astronomical data on the sun, on the sun height. And it was at 8 o'clock, 8 a.m., so now let's sit down and uh, and do a little bit of simple uh, uh, thinking that no one in the mainstream media press seems to have done. Uh, 7 a.m., according to the White House, 6.55, this alleged nerve agent mm-hmm. is released. Uh, we know from basic science and technical information in the wind direction that the area immediately... Uh, to the uh, roughly uh, uh, north, uh, uh, the east northeast mm-hmm. of this release uh, of this release crater, would have been, had dying people in it within ten minutes, ten or fifteen minutes of the release. Mm-hmm. So by seven ten, seven fifteen, you have people dying or or in the process of dying or already dead, depending on whether they got a, a significant dose, because it could have been dense enough to kill people, you know, within a minute or so. Other people might have been shielded because they were the slow-moving wind, and sometimes the sarin is more concentrated somewhere and less concentrated in another, but they would have been having severe symptoms. So say by 7.20 or 7.30, you must have people on the scene trying to take care of uh, people who are dying. Mm-hmm. Of course, those people better have protection. And that was... they would be... And you cited uh, the people in those videos who did not have the protection that one would expect had there been... None of them have any video. Uh, uh, They have these masks on, which are uh, masks designed to filter out small particles. That's no protection at all. Zero. It's not any protection at all. Zero. Ted, I, w- I want to get to uh, a couple of other points, including your uh, critique of the 23rd. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I know it's going on, but let, no, let me a- just finish this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, so we have no video of the scene. Instead, a half hour later, we have a large number of people who had to have been transported within a half hour from this scene, including large numbers of dead people. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't transport the dead from the scene in an emergency situation. You transport those people you have some hope of saving with medical attention. But this scene a half hour later has dead strewn all over the place, along with people who look like or whatever might be dying. Yet, uh, 
there's no, the dead people are not stacked away from the dying, the people who, who look like they might be dying and, and need medical attention, which is the first thing you do. You separate the dead from the living, mm-hmm. and then you go through the living, and you determine who looks like you can save, who, who medical attention might be able to save. None of this is at this scene. So how does one assume that this was a, a legitimate scene from a sarin attack? Well, the assumption was obviously made, at least in this White House report. It seems like it's being taken for granted by, uh, by, by the media and by uh, you know other countries as well, with uh, the exception of obviously Syria and Russia, which is an ally of Syria. You report, uh, uh, Ted, that this that uh, the White House, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, yeah, but yeah. I actually think I I, I, I cannot I can't say who I've learned this from, mm-hmm. but I, but my I, I actually think the people in our intelligence community also know differently. I think these people were not involved. All right, I got to take a quick break, uh, Theodore Postal. I want to come back and ask you about that: why they weren't involved, and frankly, why the why the U.S. media doesn't seem to give a damn about any of this even to prove you wrong uh theodore postal uh stand by for a moment he, he is the uh, professor emeritus of science technology and national security policy at the massachusetts institute of technology we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with a few more minutes with professor postal right after this i'm brad friedman don't go away Hey, this is Brad Friedman. This is an encore presentation of the Bradcast, but you can now hear a brand spanking new show every single weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on Progressive Voices. The new daily Bradcast is just like the old weekly show, except there's more of it. And more Desi Doyen. Whatever. Don't miss one single action-packed episode of the Bradcast. Now, five nights a week at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, Right here on Progressive Voices. Always progressive, always on. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I'm speaking with... Professor Theodore Postal, uh, Professor Emeritus of Science, Technology, and National Security Policy at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, that would be MIT, um, about uh, well about this alleged chemical attack in early April, uh, alleged to have been carried out by Syria. Professor Postal now, uh, who has been critical in the past of government reports on uh, all manners of things from the uh, the 2013 nerve agent attack in Damascus, Syria, uh, and even going back, as I mentioned at the top of the show, back to uh, uh, the U.S. government's claim that uh, Patriot missiles were uh, so effective in the uh, in the first Gulf War. He has been proven right time and again. Uh, and in this case, uh, speaking about the White House report that was issued to justify the uh, the U.S. attack um, on April 6th and 7th in uh, in Syria, the uh, 59 Tomahawk missiles that Donald Trump uh, launched, uh, they then put out this White House report. Um, but uh, Ted Postol, among other problems he has with the report, also suggests that uh, the report was not properly vetted and not even looked at by the U.S. intelligence community, that this was a product of 
the White House and the military. Professor Postal, uh, you write that uh, this report was not properly vetted by the intelligence community. And we did see... Absolutely not. We saw in 2013, uh, you know, they they used to put out these intelligence reports, uh, intelligence assessment, and all of a sudden back in 2013 they invented this new thing, the White House assessment, back uh, to discuss the the chemical attack that you cited in uh, Damascus back in 2013 in Syria. Uh, Once again, we have another White House assessment. How do you know that the uh, report was not, in fact, vetted by the intelligence community? Because I've worked with intelligence, and I have intelligence experience myself. And I know that, you know, one of the things you're always asking yourself when you're trying to put together an intelligence picture is how much of this is real and how much of this is not. What do we know and what do we don't know? What do we not know? And so when somebody says confidence, we have confidence that something occurred, that is significant because if I had this data that they refer to as giving them confidence mm-hmm. that something occurred, I would not say I was confident. I would say it appears like something might have occurred. Or I'm not even sure something occurred, although my guess is it something did occur. And my guess is they hit this facility, which uh, had a lot of ammunition in it, and there was a toxic cloud created. By this, and this is not rocket science. You hit an industrial facility that contains large amounts of material that are toxic when they get into the the the, the, the plume, and we know what the plume looks like because we have video of that uh, from the early from the early morning. This yeah. somebody took video when the when the attack occurred, and we know there was one plume that was different from the the three other plumes. There were four distinct plumes you could see and one of them had a vastly larger base at the plume now that vastly larger base it would likely be from secondary explosions not from the original bomb mm-hmm. so if that was an ammunition dump which it's compatible with I, I, I can't say it was an ammunition dump but it's compatible with it being an ammunition dump you're going to find a lot of dead people downwind of that plume because those people would have been exposed to toxic materials, not necessarily nerve agent, but it could have been nerve agent because they could have had nerve, they could have had precursor materials for nerve agents in that uh, in that um, facility. We know the 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 statement of the U.S. government that the statement of the U.S. government is very interesting, as was pointed out to me by somebody I com- was communicating with who had access to intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, this person said, notice that the Secretary of Defense said, we know they have chemical uh, weapons, Mm -hmm. but the Secretary did not say they had nerve agent weapons about the Syrians. And and this would have been... So it's an interesting slight of tongue. Uh, I don't know if it means anything or not, but this person believed it did mean something, because... I'm sorry. No, I, well, no, go ahead. Finish your thought there. I've got just a few minutes left, but I want to hit you with a yeah. couple more questions. Be- because so. this person was, because I was very concerned, I said, is the Secretary of Defense knowingly lying to the American people in the Congress? And this person responded by saying, well, the Secretary didn't say nerve agent. He said chemical weapons. 
and he said that distinction was carefully thought through. I can't say that this is true or not, but um, the implication I took from the Secretary's statement was that he was saying that they know the Syrians have nerve agent. Uh, but that's but it's true that that's not exactly what he said. So now we're playing games about what the meaning of sex is. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, th- this is this is really a very dangerous situation from the point of view of democratic governance. Well, it is, and and that's you know my concern here because I don't know. Uh, you know, I can't I can't independently analyze the uh, the U.S. government, the White House's assessment here. I can't even independently analyze uh, the counterpoint that you suggested, which uh, is what Russia has suggested that it was a, an Al Qaeda uh, chemical munitions plant that got hit by this. Uh, Syrian uh, attack from the skies. Uh, It's impossible, really, for any of us. Has there been, well, two questions. Has there been any independent uh, agency that has gone into the scene and produced a report yet? And has your analysis of uh, of the April attack or even the, uh, well, the, the, the 2013 attack uh, that you mentioned uh, in Damascus have have these been peer reviewed yet? Is there a process to to peer review reports like yours? Well, uh, uh, I wish there were. Peer review is a good thing to do, mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, uh, there is um, uh, I I have reason to believe that. People in the U.S. government have reviewed some of what I have put out and are in agreement. Again, I've been told. Mm -hmm. I can't be sure that what I've been told is correct, but I believe it is correct because the kind of people who have said things to me, I know from past experience, are very reliable. So that's good. I mean, it's good that uh, people are looking at it. Um, My guess is nothing I have said is a surprise to the professional intelligence community. In other words, I think these guys were not consulted. I think that they probably tried to get their in, their information input uh, into the White House. Mm-hmm. And my bet, my best guess is that they were ignored. Why but, would they not speak up if that was the case? Even if I know they can't come out, they risk losing. You go their to job. jail. Well, yeah, but you know we've seen a lot of leaks uh, in in the certainly in the Trump administration and and in the years prior. Why has there not been? I, I expect leaks? there will be leaks. I, I expect there will be leaks. I mean, to me, the tragedy is yeah. that the most capable and patriotic of our uh, of our servants of the people mm-hmm. uh, in the intelligence community have to risk going to jail to get the truth out to the country, to the democracy, that they're being used as pawns by political leadership. And this includes uh, the Obama administration before them, mm-hmm. and, of course, the Bush administration before the Obama administration. This is, uh, this is a very serious problem, and nobody in the Congress seems to be aware of it or care about it. This is, this is a threat to the fundamental function of our democracy you write uh, uh ted postal in your uh in a more up-to-date analysis that you put out over the weekend that you uh, in, in which you took a fairly direct shot at the mainstream media here for failing to investigate the claims one way or another made by the white house and the military 
about Syria's alleged uh, nerve agent attack. You write, the mainstream media is the engine of democracy. Without an independent media providing accurate and unbiased information to the nation's citizens, the government can do what it chooses without being concerned about the reaction of citizens who elected it. The critical function, you write, of the mainstream media in the current situation should be to investigate and report the facts that clearly and unambiguously contradict the government's claim on this matter. This has so far not occurred, and this is perhaps the biggest indicator of how incapacitated the the mechanisms for democratic governance of the United States have become. Uh, Professor Postal, uh, in your estimation, why have the media not covered your analysis? And as I say, even to debunk it, which to me speaks volumes, that they haven't even pointed to it in order to say, "Lo, look, this uh, crazy postal, he's got it all wrong. What's your... Well, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I've been involved with the mainstream media for many years, uh, decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a very unusual scholar in that I have always seen the mainstream media and journalism in general as an important vehicle for getting out the results of analyses I have done, because the media is by far the best mechanism for reaching the general public and Mm -hmm. the Congress and, and actually politicians in the White House. So I'm a big advocate for the mainstream media, and I have a record, if you look at, at the many frauds that, uh, unfortunately, that I've un, you know, mm-hmm. uncovered over the years, mm-hmm. the mainstream media has played an absolutely primary role in getting those frauds out and understood and, to some degree, addressed. And what has happened to the mainstream media is it has just become a bunch of talking heads, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I just want to compliment you for having done all the work you have done on this, for being able to quote from the documents, for have really dug into this, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, right now there's nobody in the media who's doing this, which you know, is, uh, except for some exceptions. Yeah, and which is... It's, it's lazy, it's, it's dishonest, and quite frankly, they're creating a danger to our democracy by not doing their job. So I am for them. I'll be out there helping them do their job, but if they don't want to do their job, I can't make them. And uh, the fact that they're not doing their job, even to, uh, you know, dispel people who have concerns like me, uh, you know, say, hey, don't pay attention to that postal. Here's why he's got it wrong. They're not even doing that. Go ahead. That is troubling to me. Uh, I got to get out uh, running late here. Uh, Theodore A. Postal, a professor emeritus of science, technology and national security policy at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Uh, Ted, we will post links to your uh, now four reports on this. I think it's very important. Uh, thanks for joining me today and also for uh, speaking up and, and uh, making noise on this. Someone's got and, to, and I guess. And thank you for doing your job as a first-line uh, journalist. Thank you, sir. Greatly appreciated. Okay, running very late, so i got to get out. We will talk about this again more in the future, maybe even tomorrow. You can drop me an email if you like on all of this. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find, follow, and share us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and of course to my guest today, Professor Theodore Postal of MIT. I will post links to all of his reports uh, at bradblog.com tonight. All right, until we meet again, 
I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.